Okay, welcome ladies and gentlemen to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I am the host of the We're Having a Good Time podcast. And uh, what an exciting episode. Uh, I'm very excited because what I've been doing, now I'm filming the podcast. I don't want to post the whole podcast on there. I don't need videos of me reading Bible verses floating around on YouTube for people to uh, clip and uh, do stuff with. So I'm only just going to, you know, I'm going to record the stories that I tell, and then I'm going to post them on YouTube. And I've done a couple this week, and it's been very fun. So it really has made me want to tell stories. Um, But the problem is, you know, I've got, you know, over 100 episodes of this podcast that I've been doing. And I've told all the stories. I mean, there's a few out there that that float up and find themselves. But for the most part, I've told all my stories. So I'm going to have to be retelling them. But the great thing is, is each time you tell a story, you get better at telling it. And so the next time I tell it, it will be better than the last time. And what I've done, my YouTube is looking really good my friend aaron weber texted me last night and told me to clean up my youtube so i went on there last night and i really got it organized it's really great now i have uh 10 different playlists so i have stuff uh i have a you know playlist of late nights and whatnot i have a playlist of the stand-up comedy that i load and then i have a playlist of uh, my podcast clips And then I have a playlist of other podcasts and radio appearances that I've done that other people have loaded up of me, and I put that all in a list. I got other TV appearances like local news when they loaded up there. I got that in a list. Um, I got my top five country songs, which I haven't done a lot of lately. I need to do another. I got um, and my on-the-road videos. So it is looks very good it's a clean looking youtube page now and it is it is popping i have been getting a lot of emails from people i appreciate the emails i've been getting some some good emails from people about um you know about the bible verses about the bible talk i appreciate that i've been getting uh get well messages i appreciate that um i feel great I still experience a little pain here and there, but I feel great. I have one more weekend in January where I'm not going to be doing anything, and as long as the progress continues, I have no reason to believe that I will not be going to hilarities in Cleveland uh, at the 1st of March. Uh, You know, and it's not even been questionable for me whether I'm going to do it or not, but, you know, Anytime I tell people that I have a ruptured appendix, they're like, oh, gosh, and you're walking around. I made the mistake. I went on Facebook this weekend, and I I filled out, like, this little quiz type thing. I never do those sorts of things, but a couple of my high school friends were doing it. And, you know, I don't have a lot going on right now. I'm just kind of stuck at home editing videos, reading people's negative YouTube comments about me, and... uh, In fact, one of those YouTube comments, this guy said, I think you're one of the best comics in the country right now, but you need some new material. (laughs) And it's like, how am I the best? And I don't got any new jokes. Come on, dude. Um, But also, I'm not going to load up all my new jokes to YouTube. I am. I mean, if you look at my YouTube and my TikTok and my Instagram, I am just sharing old jokes. So if you look at that, you do think that I don't have any new jokes. Even one of the YouTube comments that I read on another video was, it said, this guy only has like five jokes. And if you only watch me on TV interviews and on uh, podcast, yeah, it does sound like I only have five jokes. But I, again, I'm not giving all my jokes away uh, for, uh, for free on the internet. I got... A live show that I'm doing. I do live shows. And when you come see my live show, I have lots of jokes that are not posted anywhere. And I want it to be that way. Those people are paying money 
I want them to come see jokes that aren't out there. I need to record a new album. I would like to do that, but so, uh, but you know, uh, it is what it is. I'm having a good time. Um, the uh, so I will be in February, February fourth through the sixth. I'll be in Cleveland, Ohio, at Hilarities, which is one of my favorite clubs. I I haven't been there in a while because this and that happened, and then you know, then we had a pandemic. So I was supposed to be there the first weekend that the pandemic really took effect in 2020. So, uh, so I'll be there the 4th through the 6th with my friend, Mary Santora. She'll be featuring for me, and that's exciting. I, I, I'm a big fan of Mary Santora, and uh, so that'll, that'll be fun. And then uh, February 10th, I'll be back at Zany's uh, doing my show, Dusty Slay's Grand Old Comedy Show. I have a few comics lined up for that. It's looking good already. And then the next weekend, February 11th through the 14th, I'll be in Kansas City, Missouri at the Improv. So that's just a little bit of where I'm going. I've not been anywhere, but that's where I'm going. I forgot to hit the button. So, uh, but I just want to, you know, be up on that. And then, you know, I want to talk about, because I just edited a video and I put it on YouTube about a story I told last week about flooding my car, trying to hook up with my ex-girlfriend. And it just got me thinking about uh, some cars that I drove. And I know I've talked about the cars that I've drove quite a bit. But I, it got me thinking about cars that I drove and how many dang wrecks I've had. And I just wanted to kind of, you know, start from the beginning. And, uh, you know, I'll start from the beginning of you know, the very first wreck that I had. And I don't know that I've ever told this on the podcast. This is a story I've definitely told to people before, but I don't know if I've told it on the podcast. Uh, I probably have. But when I was, I think my mom and dad, they were married at the time. I was very young. I was 21 months old. My mom and dad had a Buick 88, I think is what it was called. Now, this would have been, maybe it was a Buick 98. I don't know. That was just the name of it. This would have been in like 1983 or 84. So that was just the name of it. And it was apparently the nicest car they had ever had. It had uh, power windows, power locks, you know, which wasn't necessarily a thing. It had a bench seat in the front. A lot of those old school cars will have the bench seat in the front. And... Um, my mom, my dad was at work, and my, my dad lives in this house. He still lives there. His, his, he lives in a house that his dad built in 1947. My dad was born in 1947. His dad built that house a little later. My dad moved there and has lived there all but 10 years of his life. It's pretty amazing. My dad lived there until he was 19. His dad passed away when he was 19. So him and his mom moved to town uh, the town of Lafette when my dad was 19 and sold the family farm, the house that my granddad built. Well, 10 years later, um, the house came up for sale. The farm came up for sale and my dad bought it back and has lived there since then. So since my dad was 29, he's lived in this house. And uh, so this house, it sets not necessarily on a hill because it's it's level with the road, but behind the house it goes down. It kind of dips down into a little bit of a valley. He has a, a, a cow pasture there, and then on the other side of the cow pasture is a pond. Uh, it's a small pond, but it is a pond. And as I mentioned, you know, last week on the podcast, my mom can't swim. I don't understand that. I thought everybody that grew up in the country can swim. I mean, my dad's a great swimmer. I'm a great swimmer. In fact, swimming may be the sport that I'm best at. A lot of people don't know how good I am at swimming. Now, I'm, I'm getting older, and I never swim anymore, so I don't know if that's true anymore. But in the early 2000s, I had gained a bit of weight, and I was always drunk, right, in my 20s. And I, w I, had a, I lived at this apartment complex called Riverland Woods, and we used to sit out there and get drunk and at the pool, and there'd be a lot of people at the pool, and then I would, like, challenge 
random in shape dudes uh, to race me, and they would they would almost laugh and go, "Yeah, I'll race you." And then I would beat them because I'm very good at swimming. I've always been a good swimmer, and because uh, I learned to swim in ponds and creeks. And at my dad's house, you know, I had two stepbrothers that were older than me, and they, uh, all their friends were older than me, so they were all older, bigger, stronger than me, so I grew up swimming with these guys, and they would beat me all the time. All of them would beat me all the time, so I just had to learn to keep up, and I was also, you know, we used to go swimming in the uh, Tallapoosa River, which my dad was like, Never swim in this. He said there's undertoes and currents that can catch you and you can drown. And a lot of people have drowned in this river. Never swim in this. So the first opportunity we got, we got on our four-wheelers. We drove down there and we swam in it because that's what we do. I used to swim in rock quarries. In Opelika, there was a rock quarry where you jump off this big kind of wall into the water. And who knows what we were swimming in? But we were all out there doing it. So I'm a great swimmer. Uh, everybody I know in my family is a good swimmer. My mom can't swim. I don't get it. But so, all right. So back to this Buick 88. So my dad's at work and my mom, the story, nobody really knows what's going on here. Apparently my mom was driving with me and there was no car seats back in this time. Uh, and I guess I wasn't strapped in at all. I was just standing at 21 months old on the passenger side of the bench seat. Now, the car had one of those throttles that you pull down on the dash. So you put it in park there and you pull it down into, you know, uh, neutral and drive and whatever. And those cars back in the day, you didn't really need to push the brake to do anything. You could just pull it. And this 1982 Buick LeSabre that I drove for a while if you put that car in drive, it's going. You don't even have to push the gas. I mean, it starts going. So I imagine this uh, Buick ninety Buick 88 was like that too. So I, my mom so my mom says she goes to check the mail and then um, I guess it was important mail. So she went ahead and pulled back into the driveway beside the house, pointing down the hill towards the pond. And she gets out, leaves the car running, goes in to drop off the mail. I always make fun of, fun of my mom here. I'm like, I don't know what she was doing. Maybe she was doing a shot of whiskey in there. I don't know what she was up to. But while she was in there, uh, apparently, I walk from the passenger side of the bench seat to the driver's side, put my hands on the steering wheel, pull it down into drive, or at the very least, neutral, and the car starts going. So I start rolling, and, I, and she left the, the driver's side door open. And I start going. And then the car goes down, and I crash through a barbed wire fence. And then I start picking up speed. And my mom comes out and notice that the car's going. And she freaks out. And she starts chasing the car. And apparently I turn the car enough to go through these big pecan trees. I go through the trees and it's just narrow enough for the car to fit through. And it I hit one tree and it closes the door. So then I drive on down. Apparently, I straighten up the car, and then I drive through another barbed wire fence, and then I crash into the pond. And I think this is like December. It's very cold. My mom can't swim. She goes running down. I crash into the pond. She go, I'm 21 months old. She goes running to the driver's side door, and the car had already gone down in the water far enough to where that door couldn't be open. And apparently she goes around. I don't know if she's swimming. Maybe the water's shallow. I don't know. But the car is, is deep enough for the car to be sinking. But she goes around to the passenger side. That door won't open. So then she opens. She's able to get the back door open. And she said that when she opened the door, I'm just standing there smiling. And she opens the door. And apparently I go, Mama! <laughs> right? And, you know, I'm having a good time. And... 
She grabs me out of there, says I never cried, said I only whimpered a bit when the cold water touched my foot, and she got me out of there and rescued me. So that was my very first car accident. So um, they came later and they towed the car um, and got it out of the water and uh, the insurance adjuster came out and they said the insurance adjuster was trying to figure out whether they would need to total the car or not. And while they were standing there, all of a sudden the windshield wipers came on out of nowhere. So he was like, well, let's total it. And then uh, my dad uh, used to, oh, he still does, but he, back when I was a kid, he owned a lot of horses and he used to ride a lot. So he said he used to take me uh, with him on the horse rides and then he would trying to get me to talk would name things you know he would go like cow and I would go cow and then he would go you know uh, tree and I would say tree and then he looked at the pond and he said pond and I said car (laughs) so hilarious (laughs) and so that was my very first wreck at 21 months old I started early and then I got into it and then uh, my first car was a Bronco 2, which I, I've already talked about where it went when you would crank it. And I never wrecked it. But I was driving my mom's Ford Thunderbird for a while, and I wrecked it. I slammed into the back of a lady uh, when I was 16. So that was my first wreck. And messed up my mom's car. I think she had to get a new one, which was sad. She really liked that car. And then I got some notes here because I got to remember all these dang wrecks. And then I had, after the... Bronco 2, I had a full-size Bronco, never wrecked it. It just had an overheating problem. I would pour, I would, I had to carry a jug of water around with me because I would drive somewhere and then when I would stop, the car would just spew out water everywhere. So my dad bought me a 1999 Saturn. And we really put that car through it. I mean, we put that car through everything. I remember I had to go, my friend John graduated from, Well, he took a GED course at the Southern Union University in, uh, what is it? What do they call it? Uh, Southern Union Community College in Wadley. He took that one. He took that one. And uh, so I went up there and watched him. It was me and him and some one other person. I don't remember who it was. I want to say it was my friend Will, but I don't know if it was or not. But we went up there, we watched John graduate, and then we drove home. And on the way home, it was raining, and I hit some water, and I hydroplaned off into a a concrete ditch and really messed up my car. So that's it. So here we are. I'm 17 or 18, and this is my third wreck. And then uh, my car one time got hit by my friend Tom, Tom in my driveway, It was the weirdest thing because he hit the car and then he messed up the trunk. And I was like, dude, you're my friend and I don't want to call the cops and file a police report, but I don't trust that you're going to pay me to get this fixed. So I got to do it. So then I did it. And then before I could get it fixed, another guy named Craig hit me in the back doing further damage to the trunk. So before I even got it fixed, somebody else hit me. So I got Craig's money to pay for it, so I made a little money off that. You know what I mean? So it worked out. and uh, But in the end, I paid Tom back. He ended up being my roommate for a while for free, so uh, I paid him back. And then this was the car that I ended up taking with me to Charleston. This was my car that I, I drove all around Charleston. I, I delivered pizza in this car. I delivered pizza for a long time for Papa John's in Opelika. About a year I did. And it was a wild time. I mean, uh, I can't even really get into the detail. Well, maybe I can. We used to, um, let's say this, right? I graduated high school and people used to just hang out at my house, at my mom's house, and we were partying and we were doing CBD all the time. And it was just a wild time. And then uh, after a while I needed to get a job. So all these people had been hanging out at my house and suddenly I get a job and they got nowhere to go. So they start coming up to Papa John's 
and they'll meet me at the restaurant and they'll get in the car with me. We'll drive around, do CBD, and I'll deliver pizzas. So I'll have like four or five guys in the car with me while I'm driving around delivering people's pizza. And the manager came out one day and he was like, dude, he's like, you can't, you can't have all these people riding around with you in the car. I go, okay. So I started meeting them down at the gas station and they would ride around with me. It was a great time. And I mean, we really put that car through it. That 99 Saturn, we called it the Pooh Bear edition because my friend Costa told me that it looked like the kind of car that uh, would have a Pooh Bear sun visor in the back. And we also called it incognito because even though we were doing illegal things in that car, no one would think it. It was a four-door blue Saturn with gray bumpers, right? No one would think anything's going on in there, but there was a lot going on in that car. And uh, then I moved to Charleston with that car. I, I remember uh, I sold pesticides in that car for a while. It had no power steering, and, and it was a stick shift, manual windows, manual locks. I mean, that car gave me shoulders. I mean, I was working it in that car. And uh, I... I, I remember that car had gray bumpers, and they called them five-mile-per-hour bumpers. So if you hit somebody going five miles per hour or less, it wouldn't do any damage to their car. And that really played to my advantage because downtown uh, Charleston, parking was rough, and I was, you know, I was an alcoholic, and I used to, I used to drink and drive all the time. I hit uh, a lot of cars downtown. I'm not proud of it, but I think most of the time I was going five miles per hour or less. So I don't think I really did any damage, but I did do a lot of those unaccounted for. And then eventually, this would be the car that I would flip into a marsh. And uh, I was at a party, I was drinking, and everybody, this is the one time I remember all my alcoholic friends being like, hey dude, why don't you let us drive you home? And I'm like, no, 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 I got it. And me and my friend Mike, we left. And we, we were driving, listening to Dancing Machine by the Jackson 5. And I just, it, it, uh, it was a James Island back roads. I t it was a 90-degree turn. I just went straight off and sailed off into a marsh. I think I hit, there was already a broken telephone pole out there where this had happened to someone before. And I think that I hit the bottom of that. My car jumped and I hit that telephone pole, and it dragged the axle back of the car and then rolled it. And I think I did one complete roll because both of the side mirrors were broke off. And then I landed on the roof. And we crawled out the windows. Mike's head was bleeding. And uh, a guy stopped and uh, picked me up and uh, said, do you need a ride home? And I said, yes, I do. And so he took me home. And... Mike was fine. I mean, he was already a little messed up, I think. And, uh, yeah, but he was fine. And, uh, you know, we got the car towed in the night. So that happened. So that's my, my next wreck. That was a big wreck. That was actually a big deal. And so then after that, I'm driving a 1982 Buick LeSabre. And I got pulled over a lot in that car, but I never wrecked it. I mean, I wrecked the bushes of the apartment complex I was living in coming home drunk in that car, I, uh, I hit the bumper on one of those, uh, I don't know what they are, the metal concrete things at the gas pump, the things that are put there to keep you from hitting the gas pump. I dented the bumper pretty bad on one of those. Uh, but, you know, I drove that car for about a year and never really wrecked it. And then I got my Dodge Avenger. And uh, the Dodge Avenger, immediately I flooded in a story that I told you last week. And then I got it back. And then I backed into somebody in the Lowe's parking lot in Mount Pleasant uh, about a year to six months to a year after flooding it. I did that and I messed up their car. And then um, I hit, let's see, and then I hit someone in the the. Walmart parking lot in Goose Creek, South Carolina. And this girl, I talked her into, because it just scratched the paint up. And I, I was like, I think you can buff that out. 
So I exchanged numbers with her, and uh, and uh, she 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 called a buffing company, whatever you call them, and they um, they did say they could buff it out. So she called me and told me how much it was. So I took her the money, and then in Orangeburg, South Carolina, I was on my way to a Lowe's, and I hit. And I've told this story before, but th- this cracks me up. Uh, I hit uh, a girl. And she gets out of the car, and we're looking at it. It was There was no damage to this car. But it was one of those situations where I felt like this girl didn't have a lot of money, and I felt like she was going to try to get me to, you know, claim it on insurance so she could get some money. And I felt like that about her. But, you know, that's just, that was my judgment of her. And... So she has a baby in the back seat in a in a car seat. So she takes the baby out and sets the baby on the trunk of the car while we're talking. And she said, she said to me eventually, she goes, I think it's fine, but I gotta call my boyfriend. So her boyfriend comes and he does not look like a nice guy, and he's got dreads, and I'm like, oh man, this is not gonna be good. And Orangeburg, I think, was kind of a poor town anyway. So I was like, this is not going to be good. And then he he looked at it for a minute, and then he because he had no smile about him. And then all of a sudden he goes, nah, man, you're good. Just get out of here. You're good. And I was like, oh, thank you. And I was so thankful because I was like, my insurance was like steadily getting more expensive all the time. So I was like, oh, thank you so much. And then right about that time, the car seat that was sitting on the trunk falls with the baby still in it and falls face first on the concrete. And I was like, oh crap. And they picked the baby up and thankfully the baby was still strapped in and the car seat is designed in a way to where the concrete didn't hit the baby. It was jarring, the baby was crying, but he wasn't skin up or anything. So I'm just standing there and I'm kind of like, well, uh, we still good or, or is does this change things? And they were still good about it and they let me go. And, uh, so I got out of there. So that was two things I avoided going on the insurance. And then I was, uh, I had been, I had had the car towed several times. One time I drove down to do laundry. I was living downtown and I didn't have a washer and dryer at my house. So I drove the car to the laundromat. I was doing my laundry and I parked in this, this parking spot where it was like no parking from four to six, but I had gotten there at like two thirty-three, and I just, I thought, well, I got plenty of time. So I wash my clothes. I dry my clothes. I'm folding my clothes and I got all my clothes in the hamper. I have two hampers and I walk out arms full. I walk out the front of the laundromat to see my car being towed away. So then I had to, and, 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 you know, it's a real hassle in Charleston when you get towed. You have to go to the police department and get a release form from the police station, and the police act like you've murdered someone. They, they don't care at all. They're in no hurry. So I got a ride there, and then I had to get, and then you have to go to the tow truck company. So I got all this laundry that I'm just carrying around with me to all these places, and but I get the car. I got towed several times. I got booted. I used to smoke in the car all the time. I smoked so many cigarettes in that car. The, the, uh, I, one time I, oh, I, oh yeah. On my, I told this before too, on my way to Wilmington, South Carolina, North Carolina to do a comedy competition. I, I threw up, I projectile vomited while sitting in traffic on the interstate. I, I, puked and it spewed all over the inside windshield and it the puke went down into the vents on the dash and <laughs> shortly after that my air conditioner stopped working and I put baking soda on top of the dash to kind of ho- help soak up that smell I was told that would do that so I was trying to soak up that smell and so I was driving around with the windows down all the time in the South Carolina heat with a car that smelled like throw up with, with bacon soda powder all over the dash. 
The air conditioner didn't work. I used to dip in there all the time. There was dip bottles all over the floorboard. There was fast food bags all over the floorboard. I was hung over all the time. It smelled terrible. Um, uh, it was just awful. It went from being this car that I loved so much that I used to wash all the time that I was so proud of. The first car that I ever paid for on my own. And then it just became a trash heap. And it used to get booted all the time downtown. And it, it, it just, ah, uh, I, I used to, I was selling pesticides and I would do, I would do returns on pesticides and, um, you know, like I would go into a Lowe's and the Lowe's would have people that brought back pesticides if the bottle broke or if they claimed it wasn't any good. So they would be in the back of the store and I would have to go check with them and they would say, uh, we need you to write these off. And then they would ask me to take them. They would say, will you take them? And for a while it was great because I had some homeowner friends. So I would take the pesticides and give them to my homeowner friends. But eventually no one needed any more pesticides. So I was just driving around with a trunk full of pesticides. And I also had shelving units to set up in stores. And my friend got in the car one day and he's like, dude, it smells like chemicals in here. And I didn't even notice because I worked around pesticides so much. And uh, so just like this car had just become a total uh, trash heap. And my transmission, I don't know if it was a transmission. I don't know anything about cars, but it struggled to change gears and it was an automatic. So I would go get in the car. I'd be late for work and I'd get in the car and take off immediately. And it wouldn't change. It wouldn't shift. It was just like I would have to let it warm up for a long time. And it was just falling apart. I think I had 180,000 miles on it, and it was falling apart. And I wanted to move to L.A. I was ready to quit comedy, and I wanted to move to L.A. And I, I had gone out to visit my friend Nick Donito, and we put the plan in place. I was going to quit my job and move to L.A. And then... I hit a guy in my car one day in West Ashley and no damage was done to his car, but I could not talk him out of it. He's like, he called his mom and his mom said, nope, file the police report. So we filed the report and then my insurance jumped up from $200 a month to like $500 a month. So my insurance was more than my car payment each month. And I, I, call, I paid that one month and then I called and I was able to get it switched. I switched to a different company and they lowered it back down to about 200 a month, but still super expensive. And I took the car and traded it in on a Honda Fit. Now the Honda Fit I liked, it was a bit of a feminine car, baby blue but I liked it. And so I traded it in, but I had, I owed so much on the Dodge Avenger that I carried over negative equity. So immediately on the trade-in of the Honda Fit, I owed more money on the Honda than, than it was worth. And then I start driving and I start putting the miles on it. I start just putting the miles on it. And luckily I had not, I didn't wreck the Honda Fit. But one time I was drinking with a co-worker down in Statesboro, Georgia, and we went out to some bars. I got mad at him. I was talking to some girls, and I felt like he blocked me, and I got upset. I mean, I still think he did, and I'm not upset about it anymore, but I don't feel bad about getting upset. I, I do think I was in the right. Did I overreact? 100%. But I still think I was in the right. But I lived in Charleston. I was in Statesboro. I was going to stay with him that night. I was so mad at him that I was like, I'm going home, dude. I don't care. I'm out of here. So I start driving home. And I start dozing off as I'm driving home. And I dozed off one time. And I drove that Honda in from off the interstate into the median of the interstate 
Oh, I got. I forgot one thing. I'm going to tell that after the Honda Fit. This is another Dodge Avenger story. I drove that Honda Fit into the median of the road, and then I woke up and I jerked it back on the road. But when I did, my car slid completely sideways. So the driver's side of the car was sliding down the road, uh, and then I jerked it the other way, and then I was sliding down the road on the right side of the car, the passenger side, and then I jerked it again and straightened up, and I was just driving straight. And so I pulled over, in, I pulled off the interstate at Pooler, Georgia, and I slept in the Walmart parking lot in Pooler, Georgia, and I woke up and almost peed my pants and went into the Walmart to use the bathroom. And... And then I got, I just a side note to that story, then I got home all the way to Charleston, and uh, the guy I was drinking with called me, and I thought he was calling to apologize, but he said, uh, dude, I think I left my keys in your car. And I was so hungover and distraught about the idea of driving this car three hours to give him back his keys, and he was like, oh, my girlfriend has an extra set, just mail them to me. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Uh, another Dodge Avenger story. One time I was drinking in West Ashley and I was talking to a friend that lived on James Island and he was like, why don't you come over here today? And I was like, okay, cool. I will. And then later that night I wake up driving. I blacked out and I woke up driving. I woke up as I hit the median coming back from James Island into West Ashley. Uh, and I, uh, I, and I, I had a flat tire, so I pulled off into a parking lot. I called AAA because I was able to get the tire off the car, but I couldn't figure out how to get the spare on, so I called AAA. And while, and the, even the AAA guy was like, dang, you're drunk, man. And as I was talking, I didn't even know where I was going, but as I was talking to that guy, my ex-girlfriend showed up, the same ex-girlfriend that, <laughs> that I wrecked my car trying to go visit when I, when I flooded it. And she showed up, and we started fighting near the car, and then she just left. Um, so, and I, I was, and, and in that wreck, I actually, I got the spare put on the car, and then I drove it home. And then the next morning, I woke up, and my back tire was flat, too. So, in that hitting of the median, I flattened the front tire and the back tire on the driver's side, and I bent the rim on the driver's side. So I had to get a new rim and two new tires. And uh, it was a mess. I mean, I beat that car to death. I mean, I actually think a Dodge Avenger is a good quality car because I put it through hell. And, I mean, it just kept going. Oh, man. And then, so after the Honda Fit... um. So I, I almost wrecked it, and then that was the car that I was driving when I quit the pesticide job, and so I sold that car, and it cost me, I think it cost me $2,000 to get rid of the car. I sold it, and then I still owed money. It may even been more of, than 2000 I had a bit of money saved, but it was, I bought, before I sold the car, I bought a bike, it's called a Specialized and it was a hybrid, a bit of a mountain bike, bit of a street bike. And it cost me 500 bucks. It was the most expensive bike I ever bought, which apparently is really nothing when it comes to good bike pricing. But I bought this bike, and I sold my car. And I, I even I sold my car during the two-week notice, and I had two more days to go. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. I had two more days to go, so I bought... The rental car, I rented a rental car for the last two days of my two-week notice. And then during one of those days, I went and bought the bike. So um, when I sold that car, um, I had a bike. And this would have been, I, I looked up some dates the other day. Actually, here's, here's, a, here's a couple of important dates um, that you might enjoy. Tomorrow... January 28th will mark nine years since I've drank. That was how long ago it was when I quit. January 28th of 2012, I quit drinking. So tomorrow marks nine years. And then um, March 9th 
was the day that I officially quit Spectracide. March 9th. So on March 9th, 2012, I dropped off the rental car on a Friday knowing that I never had to go to that job again, and it was amazing. And that began my journey of riding a bike for two years. So for the next two years of my life, I worked at Hyman's Seafood uh, Monday through Wednesday. I did a day shift Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I hosted trivia on Tuesday night at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale in West Ashley. I hosted trivia on Thursday night at Yo Burrito, which Yo Burrito downtown on Wentworth Street, which interestingly about Yo Burrito, on the night I quit drinking, I had gone on a date with a girl named Amanda. The date actually went well. I had gone on a date with her. We had a good time, and I walked over to Yo Burrito. I had a couple of more drinks, and then I went home, and that was the last time I ever drank. Yo Burrito's gone now, but my last drink was at Yo Burrito. And, and, and me and Amanda went to Big John's that night for drinks. And I want to do a couple of stories. I'm going to do, not today on this podcast, but I am going to do, uh, I'm going to try to do a full, because I did a full Spectracide thing uh, through the years, and I talked about Hyman's a little bit, but I want to do a full uh, Hyman's breakdown uh, of my time working at Hyman's and what we used to get into and what we used to get up to. And, and I also want to do uh, stories on Folly Beach. So I'm going to try to do those in the coming weeks because I actually have a lot of videos that I think home videos that will coincide with that. So when I'm putting my videos on YouTube, I can add in the actual home videos from those things. And I'm going to do that some stuff like that too. The BB gun story that I told, I'm going to tell it again and then I'll add in video clips from me at the hospital. I think that'll be fun. And I got some other stuff. So I got some stuff on the horizon, but the bike, so I, I, I did, uh, and then I hosted Wednesday night open mic at Big Gun. That was, my, that was my thing. That was what I did. And I would bike everywhere. I lived downtown. I worked downtown. All of my gigs were downtown except for the Avondale uh, Mellow Mushroom. But I didn't need any sound equipment for that one because they had wireless mic and a built-in system. So I would just bike down there and do the trivia and then I would do comedy at Theater 99, which was also downtown. So I just biked everywhere for two years, and it was amazing. I would bike for miles and miles. I biked seven miles to the gym, and I would work out and then bike seven miles home. I lost 40 pounds in two months. It was uh, unbelievable. Uh, really unbelievable. And um, so I'll try to do some story you know, just based around riding the bike. Uh, but I don't really know that there's a lot there. I mean, I will say that, uh, you know, I experienced Charleston for the first time. I mean, uh, in, in, in some ways. Like, I lived there for 10 or 11 years. And for eight of those years, eight, nine of those years, I drank all the time. I could tell you about every bar in town between 2004 and... 2012. I mean, every bar. I could tell you about just about every single bar. I got kicked out of most of them, uh, or I got kicked out of a lot of them. I uh, threw up in a lot of them. I got into fights in a lot of them, uh, at least yelling altercations. I danced. I partied. I met women. I did everything in these bars, and it's amazing. But then those last two years when I was sober and biking, my friend Evan really reminded me of this. You know, I always talk about how I lost so many friends by quitting drinking, but I actually gained a bunch of friends too. Me and Evan, who had known each other for years, actually became really good friends when, uh, when I quit drinking. Um, so... Uh, and Evan, who was living with me for a while, has his own place now here in East Nashville. His uh, uh, girlfriend has moved from New York City, and uh, it's really great. They're having a great time. Uh, the, um, but I biked around Charleston, and I saw the beauty of Charleston for the first time. I really, with sober eyes, I, I just started to see things. I could bike down to um, 
you know, the the uh, marina there, uh, and uh, not the marina, but the, I forget what it's called. It doesn't matter. But, uh, and just watch the Dolphins play. I, I biked out to Sullivan's Island and watched the big freight ships roll in. And uh, one time I'd stay with a friend, Mark, uh, Mark and Natalie. This was when I was visiting. And they had left me a little, uh, little CBD, you know, out on the, out on the counter, you know, they were like, Hey, you know, just whatever you want to do, just enjoy yourself. You're staying with us, have a good time. And they're great people. I appreciate them. And I don't know if they listen to the podcast, but I do appreciate them. And, uh, so I took a little hit of the CBD and as I'm driving, they lived in Mount Pleasant. And as I'm driving downtown, I was going to go do an open mic. <laughs> it really hits me. And I have a bit of a bit of anxiety, a bit of panic. And I was like, I need to pull over and walk around. But I, I was already too far. It already hit the big bridge there in Charleston. And I'm like, there's no pulling over now. We're on the bridge. And I'm just in panic mode all the way across it. I was supposed to go to an open mic. I'm like, I can't go to the open mic now. I don't even know what I can do. So I go out to that little spot. I can't, I can't believe I can't remember what it's called. But it's a little spot there right off East Bay Street where you can go. And there's swings and, you know, a lot. Of, and I sat out there. And I sat on this bench. There was a ton of people out there. I sat alone. Actually, I remember that day. I went and sat alone on a bench. And this couple came and sat in front of me. Now, I was looking out into the water. But this couple came and sat in front of me. And then after a few minutes, they turned and looked at me like I was looking at them. I'm like, dude, I've been here this whole time. Don't look at me like I'm looking at you now. You sat in my eye line. But I watched a cruise ship take off from the, and a cruise ship takes off slow. It's so slow, you don't even really know it's taken off. You're just like, oh, yeah, I remember being over there earlier. And I watched this whole cruise ship take off. And that really calmed my whole feeling down. And then I think I went to the tinderbox and had a cigar and just kicked it. I do love cigars. I did a, uh, a cigar podcast called The Cigar Pulpit. Uh, you might enjoy that if you like cigars. Check it out. Um, but I love cigars and I miss them. I haven't had one since my appendix ruptured and I'm very sad about it. Um, also, uh, my wife and former co-host, former producer, Hannah Hogan has a podcast out now called I got dumped her and her friend, uh, also my friend, Ashley Corby are putting this together and they're just kind of talking about old relationship stories and whatnot and about breakups and about men being creepy and, you know, and, uh, I know a little bit about that. You know, I've been creepy before too. So, uh, you know, maybe even yesterday. Who knows? <laughs> and uh, I think men are naturally creepy. And I think that's what, uh, you know, that's what's hard about the internet, right? I mean, we're like, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember the days when, you know, there weren't all this access to people online. Like you had to be creepy in person. You had to go to a bar and say something stupid. Or you had to call a girl and say something stupid. You couldn't just type it, something stupid. It's too easy to be stupid and too easy to be creepy now. And I think a lot of times men don't even realize how creepy they're being. Um, and uh, when they send messages, and I get it. I um, This is something I should save for the Hyman's Folly Beach thing. But I, I, I just say it now. I remember one time I was trying to date this girl. And... You know, I had asked her out on a date, and she said yes. Uh, but but then I had, like, text her later in the day, uh, you know, to confirm. And I wasn't hearing anything back. So I knew she was going to stand me up. So I was just trying to be cool. I had already gotten a little buzz. And I called her, and I was like, hey, I just, you know, trying to touch base, see if you want to get out, you know, maybe have some drinks, have some sex. <laughs> and... Uh, and I was totally being funny, but I was also being like, I know you've stood me up. Oh, and then my friend, my friend who wasn't embarrassed by anything, my friend that was, uh, oh, he was like, oh, you can't say stuff like that. And I'm like, well, yes, I can, you know. And uh, I've always had, uh, you know, a bit of an attitude problem. 
when it comes to certain things. And uh, I've, I've always had a bit of a I don't care at all kind of mentality, which is the sometimes the hardest thing about where we're at today is it's like the I don't care mentality can really get you in trouble now. Uh, now you only know that I sent that uh, that I sent that phone call because I told you. Uh, hopefully it's not floating around. But I wasn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, it seems creepy, but we already, me and the girl already knew each other. I mean, it's fine. She was fine. And uh, everybody's fine. And uh, we we were still friends after that. Not immediately after that, but we became friends again. And, uh, but it's just like, when you when you say something like that, you're really like, you're just saying what everybody knows you're trying to do anyway, but people can't handle it when you say things. Uh, and I'm not saying I was right to say it. Of course I shouldn't have said it, but I think it's hilarious. So I do want to do a Folly Beach story and a, uh, a Hyman story, and those may take a few episodes, so I'm going to work on those, but I want to write it out. I want to really get it all written down uh, so that I'll have some flow to it. And then I do still want to do the Seaside Trips podcast, but just a lot of stuff's been going on, and I haven't gotten that organized. What I want to do is get the many people that were involved in that to to speak and talk about it, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, oh, uh, well, you know, uh, there's a lot going on, a lot going on in the country, a lot happening. I just want to encourage people that I, I've been seeing – People say things like, oh, I have no idea what the president's doing now, and I like that. And I think it's important uh, to not uh, become obsessed with politics because I think that politics is a bit of a show now, and it's all about viewership. And I think they just want, uh, my feeling is they just want us involved to control us emotionally and to keep our emotions, to keep us in fear, to keep us in panic. And I don't think that you should get involved to that level. And I think during the, you know, the last administration, I think that's where people were at, where they were in such a fear and panicked mode that it really affected their emotions. And I think that's bad. Uh, and I, I want to encourage people to not go down that road with the new administration. But I do want, I do think it's important to pay attention. I think that you can't, I, I think it is important to, to see what uh, is being done. I always thought that that was the great thing about the last administration is that people were finally actually paying attention to what was going on. And I want to, you know, just encourage people to do some research and not just trust what the TV says to us, because I think TV is definitely hell-bent on controlling our emotions. And I just, you know, I, I want to encourage people to pay attention. I, I Don't live in fear, but also don't live in fantasy, right? Like, don't think that everything is about to crash and burn and we're all going to die. But also don't think that everything is going to be okay. Because I think we're somewhere in between. Like I did see a post that I thought was interesting. Uh, someone had shared where they were just talking about, and I don't know if I'll be able to find it. Um, uh, but I, I, I do think it's interesting that, you know, and I don't know if this is all completely true, but it just said 125 years ago, you didn't have to ask permission from the government to collect rainwater, which I hear is illegal in some places, to go fishing, own a property, start a business, renovate your home, build a house, use a transportation vehicle, get married, hunt, own a weapon, cut hair, sell a product, protest, grow food on your property, set up a lemonade stand, or sell food. And I don't know if all that's true. Um I don't know if you needed a license 125 years ago, and I don't need, know that you need a license for all those things now. But I do think it's interesting that we are constantly falling into more control. Like, I've been very outspoken about how much I don't like wearing masks, and I, and I don't like wearing masks based on data that I've followed. I mean, I've followed – I mean, who hasn't followed? I've been stuck home this whole time. Who hasn't followed things? And the, the mask was never political for me. 
people act like that the mask is political, that if you don't like wearing a mask, then you must support this kind of candidate. Uh, and it, it's never been political for me. I don't like wearing a mask because I don't think that it helps. Because I have, and I don't think the virus is fake. I have many friends who've gotten the virus. I have many friends who've gotten, from what I understand, pretty sick. But they've all worn the mask. They've all taken precautions. And I just can't believe that, you know, our numbers continue to spike because a few people like me uh, don't like wearing the mask because I go places without wearing a mask and everybody in there has a mask on, right? So um, I can't, you know, I'm not spreading it. I don't have the virus. I've been tested. I don't have the virus. I didn't want to get tested, but I was in the hospital and they forced it on me. I don't have it. And I don't think that it does anything. Now, if you're in a tight space, like if I were traveling in New York City right now on a subway, I'd probably wear a mask. You know what I mean? Like there's some instances where I think it does make sense if you're in a really crowded place. Maybe put one on just so you're not spreading it. But now they're saying wear two masks. And I'm like, okay, uh, how far is it going to go? So I just think, you know, uh, you know, government to govern means to control. And I think that uh, uh, governments want to control us. And I just, you know, so I want to encourage people to, you know, I'm not, I don't want you to, I don't want you to uh, do anything, but pay attention. And, and, you know, just know that, uh, I mean, people want to control you. Everybody wants to control you. When you work a job, it's rare to find a boss that doesn't want to control everything you do. I've worked many jobs and my boss always wants to control everything I do, especially when I worked at Pest, uh, Spectracide. The boss that I had named Stan, he micromanaged me to death and wanted, wanted to control everything about my life. I mean, people in power, power corrupts and people always want to control you. And so just pay attention and then pray, be praying. Um, I have been reading my Bible, but I, I wanted to, you know, just kind of give it a break on, um, on, you know, talking about that. I do enjoy talking about it, but I, I don't want it to be, uh, that every week. Well, actually what I want to do is one time, uh, if you want to listen to this album between now and then there's a, uh, an album called let's get small by Steve Martin. It's my favorite album by him. Uh, I, I started listening to it right when I first started doing comedy. I felt like it heavily influenced my comedy, even in ways that I didn't realize. I think it's influenced me now, years later, than it even did then, and I didn't realize it. And so uh, if you want to listen to Let's Get Small, I think that in the coming weeks, what I'd like to do, and I don't know if I'm allowed to do things like this, but I want to play some tracks from the album and then talk about them kind of break them down and i think you know that would be fun for comics and non-comics too because you could enjoy the comedy of steve martin uh and also get some commentary and what i think about it and uh again i don't know if that's something that you'd be into but i think that'll be fun uh, and I also appreciate all your prayers. Uh, the pain is not gone, but it is very minute now. And, uh, I think that, uh, I mean, well, I know that I feel better every day. I have some days where I, I feel like I've backtracked, but for the most part, I feel better every day. I have follow-up appointments set up. Uh, still not sure if they'll do surgery, but uh, someone, when I posted the thing on Facebook saying that I had ruptured my appendix, I edited that and took that out of there because I could see right away that was going to be a nightmare. Uh, but people were like, I would get a second opinion. So just for the record, I mean, I was in Vanderbilt Hospital, which is a very good hospital from what I understand. And I probably talked to about 15 doctors. So unless those doctors are under some kind of control, to be told that they must give me the same diagnosis, uh, I got about 15 opinions. So not one single doctor was like, I think we need to operate right now. They were all like, you got a lot going on in there. We're worried that if we operate, um, it will cause further damage. I've researched it myself online. Uh, and they said, you know, in more recent years, they've found that they could actually treat a ruptured appendix with antibiotics as opposed to surgery. 
And I'm always down for no surgery. So I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. And go check out my YouTube page because that's a lot of fun. And uh, we're having a good time.